David, you know, this is the 24th time you said hi there on the air. For the 24th time, I feel wicked. Yes. <laughs> Wrong show, but great intro. I love it. Hi, everybody. I'm Gia, and this is David again. What's up? What's up? <laughs> and we are your hosts and producers of Silhouette's JV podcast, The Deepest Dive into Jersey Boys, when we'll ever take both the Tony Award winning Broadway musical and, of course, the movie directed by Clint Eastwood. And this is actually our season one finale. Wow. We hate to drop that bomb if you didn't know, but this is our finale, and we'll be back Walk in about a month. I like know. A man. There you go. Boom. Like walking down the stairs. <laughs> yes. Perfect. There we go. We will not be sued for copyright because that's fine. Because it's just da 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 does. I think we're okay. <laughs> so wow. it's been quite a ride, and we promise we will be back actually on Frankie Valley's birthday. On May birthday. 3rd, so please stay tuned, and season 2 is going to be great. But we have the best season finale I think we could possibly have. We have Sarah Schmidt, who is back to help us round up Women's History Month. Who's excited? OBC, baby. OBC. Sarah, you truly are the Kenan Thompson of Jersey Boys. You were there from the beginning to the end on Broadway. It's unbelievable. Yeah, before <laughs> Jersey Boys, she was a swing and she understudied Jaja, Sarah, and Naja in Dance of the Vampires, directed by John Rando, what the Toxic Avenger, also at Stage 1, New World Stages. And the music was composed by Jim Steinman and a book by David Imes. Incredible, incredible team. And, and David Ives, incredible team. And then, uh, before, and then after that, she did Brooklyn, um, the musical. She was a vocalist, and she understudied Faith and Brooklyn. She did it with Eden Espinosa, and then, of course, she was in the original Broadway cast and the closing Broadway cast of Jersey Boys August Wilson Theater, November 6, 2005. God bless you. January 15, 2017. She lives out west, and she is killing it. It's so nice out there. But you lived in New York, but you also grew up in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, so this is a completely different change for you. It was big. So I... Jersey Boys closed and I went back to Philadelphia. So I lived in New York City for 20 years, back to Philadelphia, which is where I grew up, and then kind of couldn't get my footing and uh, loved it out here. And I performed in Sonoma, uh, like Natalie Gallo did, same theater. Uh, and then, I mean, she loves it here. I moved here. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I've been able to see her when she's been out here performing, but I'm, I moved to Napa two and a half years ago. Oh, it's a Napa of all places, too. Yeah. So what's it like? Is it like the parent trap? Because that's all I think of when I think of, of, of Napa. Napa is just, it's a really special place. And it's so crazy because it's farm country. Like when I talked to you guys the other day, I was out in the vineyards like all day. And today was, obviously it was raining, so I was inside. But um, it's very agriculture based. But there is such... Um, 
an immense amount of opportunity out here. So everybody's really focused and it's, so it still has that New York city vibe. Like I'm not just like, it's not that slow. I mean, it's very quiet. And of course, like there's nothing like the New York city nightlife. And I took full advantage of that for the 20 years I lived there, (laughs) but uh, it's a nice, so it's quieter in that aspect, but like the people's drive and ambition and motivation is really like intense here, which I guess I thrive on, especially if you're going to start a new career in your forties, you better do something that has drive and motivation because it ain't for the faint of heart kids. Of course. <laughs> no, well, wow. kudos. Yeah. And it's Thank just you. so cool. Like, you're, you're living your life and you're doing what you want. Like you, you, yeah. you Broadway and then California. It's like, you're, why not? You're doing exactly yeah. what you so want to do. What, yeah. what are you doing right now? I work in a, for the first year and a half that I was out here, I worked for, I was slinging hooch. I was a wine educator at a really like high touch, high interaction, like really high stakes winery. It was called The Prisoner. And oh. um, <laughs> it yeah, sounds it's, it's a piece of art by uh, De Goya, actually. And it's on the label and it's got this amazing like history story, but who knew that I was not made for hospitality? <laughs> like it is a hard gig and I would always, and this is so terrible to admit, but I wanted to be like, do you know who I am? Like, <laughs> I'm, so, do you know who I am? I mean, like, excuse it, me. As I'm like cleaning up their napkins and their spit and their wine and they're just like kind of, you know, a little bit overserved. not, not all my fault. Um, and it just was, a, it was t- starting to, um, really affect me. And I, I just, I moved out here to be happy. And so I left that job and I got a job at a place called the Napa Valley Reserve, which is like a huge dream to work there. Um, one of our producers from Jersey Boys is actually a member. His name is Kevin Kinsella. What the members do is they, um, they, they're invited to be a part of this club and like, and it's like a country club, but instead of play golf, you make wine. And you make wine with the best grapes in Napa Valley. So it's it's under this family called the Harlan family. And it's just literally you walk in and it's just magical. It's exactly what you, you'd feel like wine country would be. It's like a little bit casual, but it's very, very, very high end. Um, but you, everyone's wearing like, you know, I have my little jacket over there. It's like, you know, those little Patagonia zip ups and uh, work boots. But they just happen to be making some of the finest wines in the world. So it's it's awesome. I'm so lucky. And so... My job is um, the relationships between all of the other wineries and the members. So the members will call me and then I'll try to put them in touch with other wineries so that they can go and experience all that is Napa Valley. So it's been huge and I got to meet like all the people here, which is why I moved out here. So yeah, trying to, yeah that's trying to... so cool. You get to meet, you get to meet new people. Yeah. You get to network and connect and it, it, like, it takes all of the, the base things that you learn being in the theater yes. industry. Uh, 1000%. Yes. Yeah. And you are the go-to person, which mm-hmm. makes it more worthwhile. I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. You need that high stake and that responsibility. Yes. And doing that in a completely different industry, it kind of gives you, you the, your theater experience kind of gives you an edge. Well, sure too. When, when you're going to these tastings, I don't know if you guys have ever been out here, but everybody has a story. There's a story about the wines. Wine is very, very theatrical. And so when oh, you're I telling the story, Oh, it's, it's, I mean, it, it was a seamless fit. I was like, Oh, I know. I was never like in sales, obviously never in hospitality. I'm, I really do commend. <laughs> I'm a much better. I'm, I mean, I was, I was pretty nice to my, servers, waiters, waitresses, bartenders, but now I'm like, how do you do it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people are so rude. Uh It's very fitting that you go from Jersey Boys, 
that mentions yeah. wine a lot. Shut up, Nikki. Shut the <laughs> fuck up and drink your, your wine. wine. Yeah. To, to well, doing. Yes, and I have to add Napa Valley, Frankie <laughs> Valley. Hey, like, well, I, I heard. <laughs> you can't I heard escape it. They, I heard Napa changed it from Napa Castelluccio <laughs> to Napa Valley. With an I. <laughs> With an I. That was cut. Cut it out. Come on. <laughs> oh my god. Thank you, Joey Gladstone. Thank oh my you. gosh. Thank you. Yeah. So you so you grew up in Philly? Yes. Uh outside of Philadelphia, about twelve miles. Um I went well, my parents were I think I talked about this before. They weren't exactly thrilled that I wanted to be an actress. So I I kind of try. I, my mom started driving me to voice lessons when I was like thirteen, is kind of when I started get my, getting my momentum and then um, I would take acting classes in New York City, and I just always really wanted to be in theater. Um, it, I loved it. I still love it. Yeah. When did you have your first professional show? When I was in high school, um, there was a program where the seniors would have to go and get a job, like a job. They were, it was an internship, basically. And most of the people would go work in the middle school or go work for their parents. And my dad told me that I had to get a job in my field. So what is a 17-year-old? How did they get a theater job? Um, I figured it out. I got myself a job in um, Virginia, living in Pennsylvania, at King's Dominion as Pebbles. So I was singing on stage. So I left high school early, actually. I left probably like in April and drove down to Virginia. My two best friends and I like were in the car and my parents were in the car behind us. And I worked at an amusement park and I loved it. I have, we could fill an entire hour talking about the crazy stories there. <laughs> I mean, it was such like strong memories. But um, I went to Ithaca College after I graduated I went from high school. And then I went... Uh, did I? So I was at in Virginia and then went straight up to Ithaca because I missed my orientation and I did it like the first weekend of school. And, um, you know, Ithaca was a pretty intense program at that time. I don't know what they're doing now. Obviously, everything in education has changed so much since I was there, which was a very long time ago. Um, but there was a review system. And then um, I did a couple more amusement parks. Uh, so I guess that was... I did three amusement parks. I did uh, Dorney Park, which is up um, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I did Bush Gardens and then King's oh, Dominion. Fun. Yeah, so nice. I mean, so fun, you guys. They let you ride the rides after the park is closed, so you're just like on the roller coaster and eating all the junk food. It was so fun. That's so fun. Well, I'll take up theme park per, like performing is basically like a whole other Broadway. It's like an underground Broadway across the country. It's crazy. Cause crazy. I, I went to UCF in Orlando and a lot of my friends were in inter- entertainment at Disney world and universal. And it's quite the world. I never was a part of it. I wish I was, but it's very interesting. It's very interesting study. for sure. And there's so yeah. many politics <laughs> involved in it. Oh my goodness. I know. My God. Wow. Well, there's politics in school too and I know Sarah you're, you have a lot of, a lot to say about of course getting your education and you're very for that um, but some people are, aren't sure if they should go for their BFA get a BA go for their degree at all um, so what are your thoughts on education and even in today's crazy COVID times I know it's so hard for me to even give advice now because I think if it were me and I were in your situation I know that you had to graduate from away I, I feel so sad about that like I, I just I don't I don't think that if I were tr- were having to do all of this on a computer that I would have done as well. I just, the connection is with me and people. So my experience was that my mom made me promise when I was a little kid that I would graduate from college. 
So I picked a program. It was between, you know, NYU and I'd gone to my interview and my mom had this thing where she would put me in the middle of the campus and say like, look around and see if you can picture yourself here, find your friend. So she put me at NYU and she stuck me in Washington Square Park. And this is like in 1993, which was not the safest place ever. (laughs) And I was like, oh, there are so many drug dealers down here. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready. She was so smart. She did not want me to go to NYU. (laughs) She didn't want me there. So the man at NYU suggested Ithaca and we went up and there was like the football team was on the field. There's this gorgeous lake. All the leaves were, had just changed. They were at the height of the, you know, fall there. I mean, there were just like people playing sports, the theater, and it was just this gorgeous view. And of course that day I decided, and I went early decision. So (laughs) went to Ithaca. Congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) And then, um, I wasn't the best student. I know that I, I, I really recommend, I do recommend a BFA program if you're really serious about it because the connections that you make and the the tools that they give you are invaluable. And something that I, I, as I said, I promised my mom I would graduate. I ended up leaving college three times. I just got jobs and I I left at first to do the Fantastics down in the village. Did you play Louisa? Yes. So that was my equity card. That was amazing. But I was 20 and I was not ready to be in New York City. Again, my mom was right. I mean... How this woman knows everything. (laughs) So this is in 1997, and it was around the 40th anniversary. Um, I was there. I was in New York City. I was desperately wanting to get back to college, and I had nodes. I went back to school. Um, In New York City, I had an amazing voice teacher, Marnie Nixon, who was (gasps) Yeah. Holy shit. So I would go to her every day before my show. She would warm me up for the Fantastics because of those high Ds and those nodes. It was like pretty intense so I ended up leaving and she had written a letter suggesting like to the program like don't let this chick sing like she's not ready so my 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 work my show my uh, school wouldn't let me sing and so I took um all of my acting classes I tried to take my dance classes but I'm a terrible tap dancer and then of course I broke my ankle so like I slipped on ice in Ithaca so of course like how am I going to figure this out um Something that I promised that I really wanted for myself and why a BFA program was so, so important to me was because of the showcase. And so I was able to participate. First of all, I got my voice back by going on a cruise ship, which is a whole nother world of uh, craziness and everything. So when I was back at school, I was able to focus on, on voice lessons, learning how to sing properly, speech pathology, which was, you know, offered by the program and at Ithaca there's an amazing speech pathology program so I like got all in good shape I've not lost my voice since it's been 24 years yeah it's huge and so the the showcase was what really helped me and I met my agent that day and they're still my agents so it's just like really incredible and valuable wow. to me that's wonderful so. yay well thank you so much for your insight sure. because a lot of people are just afraid and and i have to say okay so marnie nixon as in the voice of the stars yes as in <laughs> um hello natalie wood in west side story audrey Holy hepburn in my fair lady deborah carr Marilyn Monroe, she was your voice teacher? Yeah, she was incredible. She had a place um, on the Upper West Side, and I would just, I I was probably taking a taxi. I shouldn't have been, but I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know that when I was 20 years old, that you're supposed to take the subways everywhere. 
Um, and I would just go in and she would warm me up for like 45 minutes and she would get me above that, that damage. And so I could get through the show, but it's still at the end of the day, I was just not ready for New York. Um, and so school really, the acting lesson or the acting classes that I had in school were so vital to like everything. It's so, it was like, you know, how ballet is the, the primary form of dance. So everything kind of, you can fall back on dance the primary lessons that they taught me in those first two years of scene study, I rely on them still today. Do you have any examples? We always had, um, there's just things that I remember in class. Like when you're trying to be natural on stage, one of my teachers, it was um, doing Frankie and Johnny in the Claire de Lune for a scene. For some reason, I, th- I don't know if it actually, I can't remember that if it happens in the, the original script, but it, my professor had me cook an omelet during the scene. So it was so much it was just like, it wasn't about just cooking an egg. It had to really flow like it would if you were at home. And so it was moments like that where you have such clarity, like, oh, I am a real person. Like, this is real. I just have to be doing something mundane as like cooking an egg and like still get the point across and still tell the story that I'm trying to tell. I always loved like the moment before when you're writing all the papers and everything, when you walk into the room, what was the moment before? Those are little tidbits that like always kind of have stuck with me. Um, And just like the studying and the breakdown of a scene when you're actually reading it and you're doing this outline. One of my professors had an outline for me and I I followed it until Jersey Boys ended. Like it, it's just like you set up and you know exactly who your character is. So you're never going to get stuck. And of course doing a show 4,831 times, (laughs) you, (laughs) you can like start to rely on some tricks, but at the end of the day, you kind of want to still go through that emotional process. You want to feel the feelings, go through it because if you're, and this is what I also told myself about Jersey boys. If you're just skating through and you're just like marking it or just like getting by, then what is the point? Then I, I knew that like, if I started to not, like be focused and present, then I was going to have to find another job. There was one trick that I used in Jersey Boys was that I would pick a person out of the audience and do and perform the show for that person. So that it was like, and I would think about what their story was. There was lots of times when there was a boy and a girl in a fight and I would try to like woo them to like cheer them up because everyone you know everyone when they sit down in an audience they've just come from work they've just come from the subway they've come in the rain it's cold it's pouring they're hungry they're late and you can you sit down and you and then you have say soiree la as the first moment and that's not a very appeasing as it's what they want it surprises people and they're like wait a second i thought i was coming to see like 60s doo-wop so in that initial say soiree la i really tried to connect with a person like a lot of people don't look into the audience. I really wanted to make that happen. Um, and I would kind of maybe peek before the entrance because we were right there. I mean, we were right by the fences. As when you can see, like, I remember this one couple and specifically, they were so mad at each other. And I was like, oh, this is going to be, they're not going to have any fun at this party. <laughs> so I got to fix that. So it was, and it's not like going out of character or anything. It's just trying to give that extra, like, connection with your audience that yes um within the confines of what your director has told you but that was those were those are the best parts like and then those people that came in especially like the women who dragged their husbands to the show and who were the of course at the end of the show standing on their like standing up always thumbs up like huge and like sobbing (laughs) right Uh, i can't even you can't see my arms but like they were just and they're just weeping and i'm like i got you i knew it (laughs) So 
It's so fun. I love our show. Yeah. On your first day on Broadway, uh, what were some of those um, like those tips that you used to help you just relax and to get ready for your Broadway debut? So Brill Doors. We didn't workshop Jersey Boys. So I didn't I I didn't do it until we were in the studio for about and we rehearsed for 6 weeks. Um so I, I mean, I was nervous. I I mean, I, we hadn't done it in front of an audience before I hadn't and I that energy and there was just so much focus on Jersey Boys at the time because right before um we opened or preview started, there was an article in um the post it was Michael Riedel wrote it. Michael mm-hmm. Riedel, man, and he called out the fact that Michael Longoria and I were the fifth and sixth seasons because we were vocal doubling. Because the role of Frankie is so straining, if not that he, he was ever skipping any lines, but you just you want you want that person to feel supported. So the stress of like right before opening was pretty intense. We were, as I said, we were just in the studio. A lot of, um, not a lot. Some directors won't call you for the whole time. Like rehearsals are from 10 to 6 every day. And if I'm not in a scene and I'm not in, you know, the sit down scene for 11 minutes, most or some directors would say, don't you can stay home, like, you know, go run your errands and then come back in a few hours. But Des had us in every rehearsal for every minute of everything. So it was amazing. And it worked. And um, like Jennifer was saying that we would just be in the room with our books. Like it, we were just there. We were a family. We were tired but like it was so like it was such a great bonding experience for all of it and you knew then you knew the other people's stories and the relationships and so how many times have I watched that sit down scene so many it was just it was amazing to watch them and then like the first like headbang I mean I it was just everything was so well done so specifically Gia to your question on opening night I remember being behind the brill doors and it was me and Jennifer I mean you could just feel the rut like it was you know, we're, we're 20 minutes in and now it's, that's my moment that actually like I kind of can sit for a second because all those backstage changes and everything, that's my first moment that I'm not like going from point A to point B or changing my clothes. I started to get so nervous and I was like, no, 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 no. And then, so when you just feel all of your, all, if my thing is, I like to feel all the points of my, like if I had four sides to my feet, if I can feel all the sides to my feet on the ground, and just like center and breathe. And it's just like, everybody's human. You're not going to forget your lines. And if you do, they're going to love it, which is crazy. <laughs> but um, I've forgotten it's my like lines SNL. many times. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> so it that was the moment. And then it quickly passed. And I was like, wait a second. I love doing this. Like I, that was another thing too, is I love being on stage and I loved being in Jersey Boys. To, so to drag anything like negative up there with me was just not worth my time. It it was just like, I didn't have space for it. Like I just was reveling in every minute and then like opening that door and doing my thing. Like it, I loved it. So you proved Michael Riedel wrong because it Hell was a yeah. smash hit and it was nominated for like all these Tony Awards, the Clinic mm-hmm. Musical. And of course, you know, it, actors at best actors supporting actor we won and we won lol this it's my favorite so i'm gonna i'm gonna count it it's fine what was it like when you first heard about the nominations we were really neck and neck with drowsy chaperone it it was not it was not a shoe in it was not a sure win because you know they split like they got book and director the week itself is like a it's a very we've done i know i did the tonys three times i think or however many times we did them i did them um, so that week you're recording, you're rehearsing, you're making everything perfect. You're with Sergio. It is like 
those are those are some high stakes. We do the performance. I've got like pictures of us still backstage. I, I know exactly what I was wearing that day. And it was just like when you're staging and everything. And to me, I think one of the things that surprised me the most is how much Radio City felt like the August Wilson. Because the set was the same. Like you just on your end. But every show's set is exactly the same. It was so wild. We were on stage and my, my little spot where I had to stand, which was on like the O of the Tonys, I looked down and they have like those placards that they do for award shows about who's sitting in what seat. Front row, directly in front of me, Oprah Winfrey. It was really special to be at Radio City. It was great. And then we left, we got on the bus, we went back and the girls and I were getting dressed and there's a little room where the stage doorman is and there's a tiny little TV. I mean, smaller than a computer screen. So we would run down. And so we that's where we found out that uh, Christian and John Lloyd had won. And it was just like, so there's pictures of us. We're hugging. We're crying. <laughs> then, then the girls and I went to, it was at um, Hard Rock Cafe. Fun! So they bus us. Yes. They bus us. The Tonys are still going on. But somehow we were like the last people at the party. So I know people were trying to find food and there was no table for us. So somehow we like all got collected and we go and they're doing the, you know, best musical. And we like, it was in a rush. We were trying to get there to not miss it. And Julie Andrews was announcing it. And she, um, she said, and the best, you know, the best musical award goes to the Jersey Boys. Like, oh my God. We were like, Jennifer and I were sitting there like, is this real? Balloons fell from the ceiling. Everybody's crying. It was so cool. It was so neat. Fucking suspense. You know what that was? That was a pre that was a pre La La Land Moonlight situation. Yeah. Julie Andrews. Oh my god. But it's Julie. And I know. Uh, it's just so full circle for David and I too because like I grew up like, Mary Poppins is what got me into everything theater too growing up. So having Julie and then Jersey Boys, that was my first real introduction to like really seeing shows. It's amazing. So, it's so really wonderful. fast so now come circle back. Do you know that Marnie Nixon was the voice of um the little cartoon ducky birds when um Mary is going to see Mm-hmm. And Jolly Holiday? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. No? Yes. All these amazing shows really are connected. It's some. It's something in... It's a sign. It's a small Sorry. town. <laughs> it is a small town. <laughs> so, but I, and I love that you all went back to the August Wilson, like, from the bus, like, to change, because it was like you were going back home to watch it. And oh, then yeah. you're like, no, I'm a freaking Broadway star. I'm going to the Hard Rock Cafe in Times Square, so I'm going to party. Like, I, it's the perfect balance. I love it. And some of the actors, I remember Donnie Kerr went back to the Tonys so that he could run on stage and accept the award, which he did. I'm not sure if any other actors did. Um, but I, I think I was probably all about the wine. <laughs> I, was like, I don't want to go back. I just finished. Let's go out. <laughs> After the Tonys, what, what, what were the crowds like? Was it different? Were people more interested? A different kind of crowd that you weren't expecting? Well, word kind of got out during previews. So um, I've only had one person say something almost negative about the show. I mean, like, it, it blew up. And so after the Tonys, it was obviously the biggest ticket. And I remember somebody, um, like, came to visit me and wanted a last-minute ticket. And he spent $840 on a ticket. And now this is, like... In 2005, this is 15 years ago. That was like, it would be more now. And now that, you know, Hamilton has come about, 
people like hear that you spend that much money. But at that time, it was wild that somebody spent that much. The momentum stayed for years and years and years. As we got older, um, they obviously started making a lot of changes and it be not changes, shift. It was a shift in the energy. The original Jersey Boys was very raw and pretty dark. The flash and the the brighter colors of the costumes weren't necessarily there. Um, there were a couple costume changes, but it was like very, very gritty. And then as more different cast members came in and they were trying it out on the road, it became something, in my opinion, that was just like, was a well-oiled machine. It became very slick, seamless. I mean, it was always that way, but there was a, there was a grit with those original four seasons. And, and me and Jennifer and Erica were not like, we're not your typical Broadway showgirl. Like we're all very specifically not that. And so, um, it was just different. And then uh, you, uh, we've, you know, the shift came and the dance became slicker and the moves became more seamless. And it was uh, just awesome to watch. And I'm so glad that I was a part of both. So originally they'd wanted 3 million people to see Jersey Boys because that was the tri-state area. So they thought if 3 million people can see it, we are a success. I remember we did a celebration. We brought the woman on stage who, who got the 1 millionth ticket. <laughs> wow. We absolutely... <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, we celebrated our one millionth audience member. And so at the end, when Jersey Boys closed, 24 million people around the world had seen it. And now there's obviously more. I talked to a guy today who is a member at my winery. And he's, you know, we were talking on the phone about wine. And he said, now, what's your background? And I said, well, I was an actress on Broadway for 20 years. And he said, any shows I would know? I said, Jersey Boys. He said, I saw that twice. I was like, well, then we've been in the same room. Yes. <laughs> He's like, wow, How this is the most is interesting story I've heard today. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, and it's like, I really don't talk about it. I don't like it's. You I, should. So. Uh, <laughs> I would love to, but I can't be like, hey, hey, I was brother, do you yeah. know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that 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 is the, <laughs> the name of the episode, I think. Do you love being that person, that unexpected person in the room? I guess so. Um, I never thought I was. I, I think that might be part of this new me. Like, um, before I always just, this is terrible to say, and this is very honest. I just always was somebody. When you break it down and you take away everything that you were as a kid growing up, I'm going to get choked up, but um, I, it's very difficult to... Um, to leave that and then try to find a success as a as a, another person and and not be sad about it <laughs> um it's just it's it's been a huge challenge uh so i can't really rely on it because i need to get this new phase going and that's what's starting to happen right now so i broke down what I was, and I left New York specifically because I didn't really know who I was if I wasn't Sarah from Jersey Boys. And I didn't know how to, in my 40s, try to find all the things that I was looking for, which were, uh, I wanted to get married and I wanted to have kids. And I didn't do that during Jersey Boys because I was having way too much fun. <laughs> like, it was way too great. So I left and went to Philadelphia and then realized that that, that still wasn't my path and it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling and I wasn't, I, I was kind of doing nothing. And so when I found Napa and thought there's, as again, there's so much opportunity. And if I can, if I can just start over here, I know I can make something of myself. When you leave the person that always was somebody and you go to the person that 
you, you, you drift and you, and I made so many real changes, like every, everything. I literally sold everything I owned. I got a job where I was making $18 an hour. Like I went from this person to this other being who just has been very quietly trying to maneuver it my way through Napa Valley and try to, um, make it. And I will as successful and as special as my career in New York was. And I don't usually get as emotional. I'm, I'm actually very proud of myself. That was, I don't, that was from out of left field. It's just that when you are asked so directly with, by somebody who knows like me, I mean, we've gotten to know each other over the last few weeks. Um, it is, it's a definite change and, uh, I'm enjoying it. I love it. Like I've found everything I'm looking for. I figured out how to get the the job that I wanted and try to, you know, make these connections and I'm so lucky. But sometimes I do miss people clapping for me. It feels really nice. It does. <laughs> Standing up. Standing up. Have you have you been have you been able to maybe st- like look for any regional work? Um around there. I wasn't ready. I was so burnt out. Um from the 20 years. I specifically I didn't want to work nights and weekends. There's a couple theaters here in town um that I've, you know, tried to kind of connect with, but I haven't made those real connections yet. Rather than do regional theater, my dream is to sing in wineries. If you've ever sung in a wine cave, you would know the acoustics in a wine cave are like nothing else. It's so special. So now that COVID is oh, I can't believe I almost said that. COVID is almost over (laughs) and they're starting to reopen. I think this is the time for me to make the connections with the piano player and somehow get myself a little um, 45 minute show together. And then that's how I can perform again. And then I would get to sing in those rooms. And then, then maybe I would feel a little bit more in touch with that old self. Um, But I, in the meantime, I'm learning immense amounts of things every single day so the bandwidth is not really there to then get up and do it like a big rehearsal for a show um but i'm happy to go sing a couple ditties for all my new best friends that'd be great yeah. <laughs> yes. How, yes how far are you from ron from ron melrose yeah he lives here in he's in california he's somewhere in, i think he's in la <laughs> i think he's how f- okay i mean we talked when we did the video um he would know because we're friends on Facebook and stuff. I don't think we're close. He's got to be like eight hours away. Can you imagine if he was my musical director? That's what you're my putting. My God, that would be sick. Right? What a full circle moment because you remember that he was the one that said booking the gig. I think it's uh, we're just going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. With David's gripes. Yes. I, <laughs> we, I, we were just talking. I have a gripe. Home by 11, that laugh does not get, that laugh, <laughs> that line does not get, like, when I, whenever I go to see it, it doesn't get the laughs that it deserves. Really? I, I, yeah, I really don't get it. Like, especially, like, I guess it really all depends on how Officer Petrillo says it. Like, aren't you supposed to be home by 11? <laughs> you know, it re- I guess it really all depends, but rarely ever when I see the show does that line get a laugh. And also... Bedtime. That never gets a laugh. It's all in oh, the execution. Mark Latito. He Mark. did it so <laughs> well. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, what I like in the movie, they added this thing for the movie. So, like, Vincent whispers to this, you know, th- to the guy playing Knuckles, hey, what you do, guys, by the bar? Get rid of him. So, and then you see the camera following 
knuckles to go to the guy sitting with Mary. And he's like, all right, fella, bedtime. And then the guy asks him, who are you? And then the guy, Knuckles, says, I'm Mother Goose. And then <laughs> he grabs him by the collar. And he. <laughs> so that was just an added thing that I thought it's was the funny. Best. So, sir, if anyone doesn't know who you are, just say, I'm Mother Goose. And then they'll fuck exactly. off. Okay. They'll kindly fuck off. <laughs> awesome. I'm Mother Goose. The cast album. I, you know, I have a very intimate relationship with that <laughs> cast album. And. Don't we just, all? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, it's literally I, – I still love listening to it. Every day. But Seriously, every day. Every day. Every day. That's Seriously. awesome. And you guys recorded it during previews, right? Or did you record it post-La Jolla, pre-Broadway? Post-La Jolla, pre-Broadway. We recorded it two weeks after we started rehearsals. So we started rehearsals August 15th, right, of 2005. Right. We recorded it Labor Day weekend. So September 2nd, I believe – and um, it was right during Hurricane Katrina. Oh. So that's exactly the day. So it was supposed to be recorded, I think, all in one day. But John Lloyd has 31 songs to sing. So you can't do that to your voice. I think we recorded, um, I'm pretty sure we recorded Boyfriends Back at like 6.30 or 7 a.m. And that's obviously, as you know, it's before they lengthened it. So that... So that happened in the rehearsal studio. It didn't happen. So Bob, Bob Gaudio and Frankie and uh, I guess Ron and Steve Orich wrote the flow of it before I was even anywhere in anyone's vision. So we go to the studio. Um, the band was there. They're all, we were all there. So I think we had our own rooms for Boyfriends Back. So there were four of us because they invited Heather Ferguson as well to nice. sing. Oh, um uh, yes. Or Heather Pond. Well, she's Pond Heather now. Pond, she was right. Ferguson. Yes. Right, right. So that day, um, the studio was on the west side, um, probably in like the high 30s, somewhere all the way over there, like kind of around um, uh, the bus station, Port Authority. So we were able to kind of come and go during the day, but um, it was pretty much recorded in two days. We went through it first in a in a little room, and they said, you know, you're not going to sing on this part. You are going to sing on this part. You do vocal double here. You're not doing this. And so they kind of mapped it out. Um, and then we went in and recorded it. I mean, Boyfriend's Back probably took t- 20 minutes, maybe 15. I mean, they kept us on a very, very, very strict schedule. Um, I know that John Lloyd went back the next day, and then I think – because that's so taxing, I think he ended up, I don't know if negotiating is the right word, but being able to not have to finish it in the one day, and then they could have that really solid product. Um, when they were done mixing it and everything, they did have a huge listening party at the recording studio with um, them all like on the machines, like mixing it up. It was one of the coolest things I've ever been in. It was like the lights were dim. Um, we were allowed to bring a guest, so my mom came. And that Aww. was the first time my mom met Des. Yeah. Aww. And it was just such a special moment. Um, in terms of, like, listening to the recording, you know when you collect for Broadway Cares? I was I was often collecting, and they would play it at the merchandise um, table. Oh, my yes. God. I remember when they used to do that. <gasps> you just... Oh my god, you just brought it back for me <laughs> because they really don't do that anymore at shows where they just don't play the, they don't. the album outside, no. Oh, it was always, because oh Bye Bye Baby is so different on the album than it was in the oh show. Oh yeah. So it'd get in, 
Yes. yes. So I'd be just sitting there like collecting money, like loving hearing John Lloyd sing that part. It was so amazing. Like that album is magical. So when you're singing, when you're singing Boyfriends back on the recording, though, you're doing that, 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 that outro that hey la hey la hey la hey la hey la now was that was that specifically for the album or was that what you guys were doing at the time and then it got changed i don't think we were doing it at the time um because we were walking back to the cars so it must have been the way that it was written i don't remember them cutting that but when they added the second verse, maybe they trimmed down that part because he didn't want it to be too long, but he did want to give us a, more than a breath to kind of shine. There, there was First it was just the verse, and then it was he went away and you hung around. So they added that, and I was like, yes. yep. well, well, well. <laughs> and then so they dramatic. added the second verse. And remember I told you Jennifer added the jumps at the end. So I, I remember doing it the first time it was at 42nd Street Studios doing the whole thing. I It, it is not easy. You have to be in really good shape. My face was bright purple and I'm just like staring at myself in the mirror like, you got to get through this. You got to get through this. You got to belt the F like, go, go, go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, la, hey, la. Yeah. So, so fun. So the, oh so, the tri- so the triple ending was just on the cast recording. I believe so. I don't remember specifically that it was cut because I probably would have been like, oh, no, why did he cut it? So I don't recall that. And he's like, oh, no, yes. <laughs> he cut my song. But it also could have been that he added so much on the front, Des, that he didn't need that lingering, the triple exit kind of thing, the tag. Who, yeah. who prepared the script for the cast album? Was it Rick, Marshall, and Des? And I bet Bob Gaudio and Frankie. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I remember there was an interview at UNC Chapel Hill with Bob Gaudio, Rick Ellis, and Ed Strong, and Bob was talking about that part in the cast album, and that's actually what drew so many people to the show because they could hear some of it on the cast album, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Um, do you know they how were long so it smart took to them do that. to do it? Yeah, I can't imagine. To, to master it? Um, like, to finish the recording? Yeah, yeah. Not long, because that's why we did it two weeks in, because they needed it to go on sale when we started previews. previews. Right. right. So yeah. what was that? Four like, weeks? Mm-hmm. Four weeks. Unbelievable. Before it was like, you could buy it? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Very quick time. I mean, that's, and that's another reason why they didn't want, uh, they needed to finish it in two days because they needed to get it in production. They needed to, right. you know, edit it, fix it, mm-hmm. mix it. Yeah. And then sell it. Well, Sarah, you're also a Grammy winner. Come on. Oh, my God. I mean, I know. She's a Grammy winner. <laughs> Do you know who I am? <laughs> Do you know who yes, I am? Was, yeah. So that night was so exciting. Like, seriously. Do you know who I am? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Totally kidding, everybody. You don't know me, but I'm really, really nice. And don't have an ego at all. Um, so that night of the Grammys, I remember where I was sitting. Like, I was sitting at um, Raposo. It was a little wine bar on 46th Street and 9th Avenue. And I saw that we had won. And I I don't think we really had texting then. So I feel like I called John Lloyd. And I left a voicemail on his machine just being like, you know, like, congratulations. Like, that is a big deal. Um, and then we had a party where they brought the Grammy. And again, my mom was there. She's my best friend. So she came in from Philadelphia. And we got to hold the Grammy. I mean, when I think back to what that show gave me and like all of the football games, and I'm a huge baseball fan, just singing the national anthem at Yankee Stadium. Like it, 
that arrangement you guys sing so good. It's, it was amazing. I so said good. yes to every single thing I could possible. We did the basketball games. We got to go to the new Nets um, arena. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. I sang at the Super Bowl. Like, I just, like, this, that life was so big and so wonderful. And that's, again, why I pictured my 40s. Like, how, I, how am I going to ever be able to repeat this? Like, it, it was so magical. The Tonys, all the parties, and just, like, we haven't really talked about how special the dressing room was. Those girls are still my closest friends. Um, we talk every day. Our Jersey Boys family was so tight. And I don't know if it's because we were all a little bit older, but there was never like cattiness or fights or, I mean, there could have been a squibble or squabble or something, you know, that would go on, but it was, we were a family for sure. If anything happens to one of us, we all feel it. Like it's just a very, very close knit group. I think we have a text message chain with like 24 people on it. (laughs) So if it's somebody's birthday, you're like, Ooh, Jersey boys. (laughs) It's called the JB end of days. It's, I mean, it's like people from all different, from all different casts and, you know, because people were in and out at the same time. So, but I was able to maintain all those relationships and it's just like, I could call Richard Blake right now and shoot the shit with him or, and yeah, and we, it was just a really special place. I hope that everybody has as good of experience as I did in their next Broadway show. And I have a feeling because of what's been happening this last year, it's going to be awesome. When you hear the, like, what's the first thing that goes to your head when you hear those, the, that hi-hat? It's a feeling of pride. Like, when you, when you are, have the, like, the luxury, I guess. Like, I'm so lucky that they kept me on for all those years. But every, from the first day to the last day, those that was the best part about my day every day. So when I when I hear that that it's it's just like you I just have this swell of pride like I was here. Like I did it. It was so fun. Everything every single thing was so special. I mean, I'm sure there were down parts, but I made a promise to myself like leave it at the stage door. I had written on my dry erase mirror or on my mirror and dry erase like no complaining. Like I learned that lesson during the Fantastics, actually. This is a huge lesson for younger um, actors and, and people in the theater. Putting on a show is so special, and it's a gift you're giving to the audience. And you're giving of yourself for like three hours every day, or sometimes it takes you longer in hair and makeup. Think if you're alpha, but like how much of yourself you're pouring out. And your fellow actors are also giving that same thing. So if you come in to work, and I still try to do this with my job now, you can't go into work and bitch about being at work. It's so bad for a company if there's Sarah in the background being like, I would rather be anywhere but here. So I was doing the Fantastics, and as I said, I had nodes. I was young, and I think sometimes it's people think it's cool to complain. I think I was in that in that category. I was kind of like, I'd show up like right before half hour. I just wasn't professional and I didn't have the training and I wasn't ready to be there. So I walk in and you know, the old actor, um, at the Sullivan street theater, the dressing room was this probably the size of my queen size bed, (laughs) like (laughs) teeny, 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 tiny. And there's only one girl. And I just had this little spot with this like white shower curtain, you know, and she wears all white. And so I walked in and I think it was a Friday night and I wanted to be out with my friends 
running around New York City in the village, like living life like a, I was probably 21. I turned that summer. So I hopefully was 21. <laughs> so I go in and I probably said something like, I can't believe we have to do this show. And the old actor, he sat next to me and he ripped my curtain open. And he was got that white makeup on, and he had like terrifying, scary old man hair. hair. He's wearing all white, and I, I mean, like, and he had like, because when you know when you put white face on, your teeth look like incredibly yellow. Yes. And his tongue was all red, and he was like, "If you don't want to be here, little girl, there are plenty of other ones that do." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, it was." I was so embarrassed. He was so right. It was like this, from that moment on, I promised myself I would never complain about work at work. And it's something that I still like hold very dear. It's too hard to bring in. Everybody's trying too hard to bring in something negative. So that, that feeling of just like, we want to be here. We're doing exactly what we want to be doing. We were doing the best show ever written. It was like easy as a 40 year old guy or a 30 year old girl. You didn't have to kick your leg up. You didn't have to do crazy spins you didn't have to drop on your knees like health wise you could absolutely do it for 12 years like it was just so everything about it was perfect and it was the perfect fit so to go in and like not want to be there just didn't really fly and so that's what that feeling was in the building is that we all wanted to be there we were all I mean I especially me I was having the best part of my day every day for those three hours it was so so magical I think this is a brilliant place to wrap up. Um, this has been season one of Silhouette's JB Podcast with our season finale, Sarah Schmidt. I mean, eight months ago, I had just came back to Florida. I was getting ready to graduate online, and I was feeling pretty miserable. And I was driving home, and I drove into my driveway, and I was like, I can't go in the house yet. I have to just sit in the car for a little bit before I go into whatever's waiting for me at home. And I texted Gia, and I said, and I don't think we've ever told the story on here. I texted Gia, and I said, I want to start a Jersey Boys podcast. I don't know what the fuck it's going to be. I don't know what the fuck it's going to look like, what it's, but I know that I want to do it, and I know that I want you to do it with me. And Jersey Boys was the last thing we saw before the pandemic. Us and a few friends went to go see it. We got to go backstage with Aaron DeJesus at New World Stages, got to stand on stage. and Which was unreal. I un- flipped unreal, out. Unreal, unreal. And so that night when I texted her about doing the podcast – um, we, said, did yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did a five-hour. Yes, sign me up. We did a five-hour mind dump and wrote down everything that we knew about the show, everything we knew about the music, the orchestration, Steve Orich's orchestrations, Ron Melrose's arrangements, Jess's costumes, Kara Ziglarova's set design, um, everything, everything. Dez's direction, Sergio's choreography all of these wonderful people and we wrote down who we wanted to talk to and it's so funny if you listen to some of our earlier recordings like talking with different people we end up whatever we talked with them about ron or richard we ended up talking to ron and richard about and that just 
blows my mind. And our first guest, this is this is a really cool thing. Our first guest was Aaron De Jesus, um, who opened the New World Stages production as Frankie. And our final guest of season one is Sarah Schmidt, who opened the Broadway production as Francine and closed the Broadway production as Francine. Damn right. Kept kept signing those six month riders, baby. <laughs> there we go. And guys. This is so special, and we can't wait for you to see what we got planned for season two. It's super duper cool. We're we not got a say lot. Anything? No, we're not going to say anything. Just, just, just stay tuned. May third. Follow us on social media, and you'll find out exactly everything that's going on. So on Instagram, yes, over at Silhouettes JV Podcast underscore. Yes, of course the underscore because of Ron, and. <laughs> yep. yep, Facebook at Silhouettes JV Podcast. Please join our Facebook group, Silhouettes JV Podcast Group, and email us, please, silhouettesjvpodcast at gmail.com. We need that email list too. We want to keep you in touch and keep you updated on everything. And DM we, us, yeah. DM us your, your emails. We'll add you to the list, to the list, to the group. To the group. And <laughs> um, follow Sarah Schmidt on Instagram. Sarah, what's your. What's your Sarah handle? Schmidt, 623. Sarah Schmidt, 623. Sarah Schmidt, 623, OBC, and, baby. And wish her a happy birthday <laughs> on June 23rd. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> She's a Gemini. I'm an Aquarius. Sarah, we get each other. The stars are in alignment. Listen to us on Spotify, uh, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It boosts the algorithm and gets our episodes out there. One extra thank you. Um, we also have to thank Nicholas Dramard, who was our third guest who we aired on our podcast um, because we are actually dog-sitting for him and his wife, and Desi. Desi. Nick and Desi, who is also They're an amazing Broadway actress as well. Yeah. Yeah, so they got a gig in Montana. They're doing a Guys and Dolls concert. And if it wasn't for Nick, we wouldn't. I wouldn't have a place to record tonight. So this is great. <laughs> so thank you, Nick, very much. And everyone have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, week, everything. And thank you so much for sticking with us for the past eight months and helping us really make our dreams come true. And Sarah, I'm not sure if you know this. Like I studied journalism and film and theater and the fact that I can say I I have a rundown to interview Sarah Schmidt like my like seriously one of like an interview I've always wanted to have and to meet you and now like we're, beco- like, we're becoming friends and this is seriously a dream come true and we know that this is just leading to other wonderful things and we're just so thankful for I want to cry like <laughs> I know me too <laughs> this has been absolutely so special thank okay. you guys for doing your podcast I I know that it's going to come, something really special is going to come because of it. Like it's, it's, you guys are smart, you're well done, you care, you're loving, you're kind. And I just think it's going to, you're going to go really far. And thank you for inviting me. Of course. Anytime. Well, we're already on cloud nine. I don't know how we can go up for this either, but we are ready for whatever universe. So thank you so much. Uh, Thank God. Thank you. And, um, just everyone involved in this amazing show. And you know what? After this podcast is done, if you want to rewatch it, there's bootlegs out there. You can find one. I, <laughs> <laughs> so wa- watch the show, watch the movie, watch clips on YouTube, re listen to some of our episodes, and watch just the stay show in the when love. it comes back. When theater comes back, watch the show. Go to New World Stages. Um, and a salute. A salute. So long, farewell. Farewell.